Tall Gal Media presents Two Strangers and a Podcast. Strangers! Hello, strangers. Welcome, welcome. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Not bad. I am so excited for our guest tonight. We have on another Jess. Uh, Jess, please introduce yourself and uh, tell us why you're here. So I'm Jess with one S. Um, That's correct. Yeah. So Clarification. Distinct difference. Um, I'm Jess Bouchard, and I am kind of a go-to true crime person. Um, I have a BS in sociology with a concentration in criminal justice. I have my MS in justice studies with a certificate in homeland security and terrorism. Uh, I work in higher ed right now, although I'm not teaching, which is devastating to me. I hope to be soon. And I am also a producer on a true crime podcast, which is called Knock Knock. We just launched season two three weeks ago, I think. Um, And it's an amazing unbelievable story and it's remarkable to be even a small part of that show i have admittedly not listened to it yet but it is on my list of things to listen to because i do love me some true crime podcasts i i you know season one is our host was working on the 30 plus year old unsolved murder of his grandmother um and yeah and one of her friends who was raped and murdered the same, like, they were in the same house when it happened. Um, and season two is a almost 40-year-old cold case of a guy who was murdered on the side of a highway in Queens, New York in 1983. Mm. And that That's one... very interesting. It has everything. It has the mob. It has drugs. It has love affairs. I mean, everything you could possibly want is in that podcast. Well, now you've got us hooked. And hopefully our listeners. I want to describe... So this is... It is my birthday today. Happy which birthday! Which is why I'm... Cheers! Happy Thank you. Drinking my champagne. Cheers. Uh, cheers, Mike, with his old tea bags. Um, <laughs> well, wait a minute. <laughs> Water, a big mason jar filled with water with a, a decaffeinated green tea bag in it. Told you I was a weird person. Yeah, he fits which right is, in, which is why I'm here today. I'm yes. I'm drinking. Um, because I asked if I was allowed to drink alcohol because she did. It's not a podcast unless people are drinking alcohol, in my opinion. Um, okay. This is a maple cream moonshine from Old Smoky Ooh. Distillery in Tennessee. Wow. In Nashville, right? There is one in Nashville. It's based out of, I think Gatlinburg is where it's based out of, um, but there is one okay. in Nashville. I went to the one in Nashville last year. Yeah. And enjoyed me some moonshine. It is very good. I stock up every time I go back. And I was just back a few weeks ago, so my pantry is plentiful. Uh, Actually, okay, so before we jump into this topic, where are you located at the current time? So I'm... Literally right now, sitting on my floor in my apartment in Wichita, Kansas. Mm. Kansas, fun. Okay. So I've lived in 13 states. Um, I spent the last four years in Nashville. And then August of last year, I moved back to Kansas where I had lived for about 13 years. Um, 
And uh, I just, I love Kansas. I'm, I'm weird like that, I guess. But so I. Not, hey, I, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, here I am. Uh, the cost of living is unbelievable. And, you know, hey, there's killers all over in Kansas. We got BTK. We have the. That you do. Oh, yeah. We got the in cold blood uh, people. Uh, Truman Capote wrote a book about that in cold blood. Uh, mm-hmm. Did the color merge? We have the Carr brothers who, if you don't know that story, look it up. Okay. Is there just Noted. nothing else to do in Kansas? <laughs> Apparently <Ooh>. not. <laughs> wow. That's really. I learned about BTK from uh, Mind Hunter. That show Mind Hunter, that's an incredible mm. TV show. That's a really good one. And you were talking before about true crime podcasts. And I consider the OG podcast, this is just my experience, to be serial. Serial. I think everyone the, started the with serial. Serial podcast to me is the end all be all. That whole story of Adnan and Hay, that like that still fascinates me to this day. Do you think Adnan is guilty? I feel like I am in the minority, and yes, I do think he's guilty. And when okay. I say that, and when I say that, sometimes to most people, they get very mad at me. I'm not angry. No, what my 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 bestie thinks that he is also not guilty. No, that he is also guilty. Excuse me, that he thinks he's she thinks he's. Most guilty. people think he's think he's innocent. Most people think that he was framed by Jay, uh, or it was a serial killer. But he was just so damn charming. He was such a charming dude. Uh, and and people just, people refuse to believe it. I'm on the fence, if I'm being honest. I, I still don't know how I feel. I want to go back, now that I've been listening to podcasts for a few years, I want to go back and re-listen to it and be like, okay, let me give this story another chance. Yeah, I feel like I need to listen to it again, too, honestly. I was actually just talking to someone about that the other day. Like, I need to listen to that again. I remember when it was done feeling like he knew more than he was saying, but I don't think mm-hmm. he knew if he necessarily committed the murder. Hmm. And then the, but maybe the host, my opinion, uh, now that I know even more now, would change. Hmm. So that leads us right into we found you on Facebook, like most other people that we've had on this podcast. And I, you, you were telling me a little DMs. bit about yourself. I did. I did. Minus the dick pics. And (laughs) I was like, you were talking about what you did and that you were into true crime. And the reason that I was like, this is going to be a great birthday gift to me is because I'm fascinated with true crime, but I know I'm not alone. And I really wanted to kind of like dive into why people are so obsessed with true crime. But I want to like, I feel like I've always started this way. I want to start it with, with a feeling that I have that is highly controversial in my friend group in my family probably in the world and mike is going to be like this is the last podcast i ever do with jess when i say this out loud (laughs) i'm so excited let's hear it so i can understand god this like this is going to come out of mouth we literally no one's ever going to listen to us again i understand the satisfaction and the feeling one must get when you watch the life go out of someone's eyes. Okay. Silence. Because 
I just, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can understand, especially if you strangle someone, when you're that close to someone and you, you have that control over someone's life. Now, I've brought this to conversation up with friends before. And the legitimate reaction is people leave because I've scared them. However, funny, Mike, put your, put your camera back on. I was just about to say, Mike, if you've still never met her in person, don't. Don't. Don't do it. He hasn't. And I'll bring, no, I'll bring this Mace. Is, this is it. So when I was actually in Nashville last year, uh, my best friend and I flew out to Nashville and my dad and my youngest brother and my youngest brother's best friend met us there. And we spent like a three day or four day weekend there trying to keep as, as much COVID protocols as we could, but really just kind of needing to escape. I think everyone felt that way last summer. And this comes up somehow, this conversation comes up and I finally found a kindred spirit because my brother's best friend looks us dead in the eyes and goes, oh yeah, I have a list. And I was like, yes, yes, it's my person, finally. And then in that moment, I'm like, woohoo, he's my bro. And then my dad and I are like, let's go take a walk and have some father-daughter time and leave him there with my best friend who does not feel this way, who has openly told me she thinks I'm a psychopath. And he spends the entire time telling her he doesn't understand how she doesn't have a murder list and how she wouldn't want to strangle somebody. And um, so, yeah, I was like really excited to talk to you because I think I, I think I, I don't, I would ever commit murder. Like it would have to be a pretty wild circumstance, but I get it. So <laughs> I love this conversation already. You haven't scared me off. I think anyone who says that they have never thought about hurting somebody in a major way is is lying. I will say you are not the norm in in, <laughs> in that stereotypically uh-huh. broad strokes usually Okay, well, first of all, let's... Don't sugarcoat it. No, you no, say no, what I'm, you not, I'm say. going to say one thing first. Statistically, like, of people that watch and listen to true crime, it's like 70, 80, 90% women. Statistically. Like, some places okay. will say it's like 75. Other, I've seen it as high as 90. So let's just say somewhere between okay. 75 and 90% of people who either listen or watch true crime are women. But on those divided male, female, um, and unfortunately, I apologize. I only know the male, female statistics. I do not know for um, other genders. Um, but so for, for, for male, they are the ones that are thinking of how to commit murder. They like watching the bad guy get in taken town and they like watching the whodunit of it all. So, like, mm-hmm. if you tell, talk to a guy who says he likes true crime, he's like, yeah, man, I loved cops, you know, because you're seeing the action, you're seeing it, you know, you're in it. Women, typically, it's more of the, like, what can I learn from this so it doesn't happen to me? 
oh, wow, I connected to this victim so much. She was a mom and I'm a mom and she had three kids and I have three kids. So it's interesting to me that you are more of the. I'm a dude. Yeah. Yeah. You're you have more of the male perspective. So it's that's what's interesting to me about that, because that, like I said, that is not the norm, but it's fascinating to me, but it doesn't scare me. Mike. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about how do you feel about murder, Mike? Uh, not the not the way that you feel about it. Um, yeah. So I was pretty much I was introduced to true crime via serial, like we talked about. That was like my first foray into it. Um, and then since uh, I've been with my wife, she's really into true crime. So she's gotten me into Dateline. She's gotten me into Forty Eight Hours. And I, you know, I watch these shows with her and they're enjoyable. They're entertaining shows. But to say that I, like if I were ever by myself, I would never go out of my way to watch these shows. Like it, like I, I enjoy it. I like the stories and I'll Google the names and I'll learn more, but I find it to be a little, a little corny at times, a little like, you know, a little played up kind of thing. Like it's always the same story. It's always like the person who died Oh, she would always just light up a room every time. Everyone loved her. Everyone loved her so much. She was the best person ever, the best friend you can ever ask for. And it's always, it's always the person killing them for life insurance. It's always, it's always, it's the same shit every time. And it's, it's just like, and uh, it's just like, uh, and they play it up and they always record the people walking in a park, just looking and they like they they do the cutscenes of the people looking into the looking into the forest, so it's, it's a little it's a little played up and it's a little it's a little much for me. But I do find it to be very interesting. Um, I do I loved the show Mindhunter, like we talked about. So serial killers are really interesting. I remember for a while I'm a big sports guy, so I I remember for a while I was really into like O.J. Simpson and like mm-hmm. what happened there, and I was just fascinated that he could possibly be found innocent, uh, it, which still makes no sense. Uh, and I, I thought that was really interesting too. So, you know, it, I guess true crime is really a spectrum. So really seeing like the different ends of it is kind of, you know, uh, the more of the playing it up and fantasizing it, I'm not really into, but kind of learning about the facts I'm into. So this is so interesting to me because you guys are literally role reversed right now. So you are into the like sociological aspect of it and she's into the let's get them gone aspect of it. And that's fascinating to me. But I will say, and uh, okay, disclaimer, it is a horrible podcast in my opinion, but Vanilla Ice has a sports true crime podcast that might be right up your alley. Okay. Oh my. <laughs> All right. I'll check it out. It's, there's a podcast for everything. Just like you can YouTube anything. There's a podcast for anything. Hey, hey, this is a podcast. So it's right. Right. There you go. <laughs> One of the guys said it works and he liked it. And I said, this is the worst thing. You owe me 30 minutes of my life back because I thought it was horrible. <laughs> but it is a Vanilla Ice sports true crime podcast. So if you like sports and you do like true crime, but you don't like it super cheesy, maybe it'll work for you because there is a little bit of cheese because it's vanilla ice. Um 
but yeah, it's it's interesting to me the the angle that you guys are taking because, like I said, it's very not the norm. It's very against um, the stereotypical lines um, based on your sexes. Um, I feel like I fall somewhere in the middle. I'm definitely. Okay. Um, it depends on the case. Like there, when I was, I mean. I, I had a class in college and it was serial and other murderers. And we literally oh. had one of the detectives from the BTK case come in and show us pictures and talk to us. Oh my God. Yeah. I would have never left that class. And it's like, it was a, such a short class. It was like a weekend or something. It was ridiculous. It was like a quick one credit class on a Saturday or something. It was one of my favorite classes and I've, I've never forgotten it. Um, and I'm also like good friends with the person who, who taught it, but that class, like I remember people like having to look down because he showed us very real pictures of, and I remember, I remember looking at these pictures of the crime scenes and, you know, BTK murdered children. And Mm -hmm. I remember feeling like, wow, that's horrible. But also my mind went to like, what happened in this man's life that he did this? You know, like I started focusing on him and I started focusing on um, uh, just like why, how could he go from being a Boy Scout leader on a camping trip, going and murdering someone and, and coming back. Now, that was a rumor I heard. I don't know if it ever happened, but he was a Boy Scout leader during the mm-hmm. time he was murdering. So there was still some overlap. Like, how do you murder someone on the weekend? And then, you know, like, was he really that good at tying knots that he became a Boy Scout leader? Like, I mean, it was just, it was it was baffling to me, but the cases I get into the most are things like the West Memphis three. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with the West Memphis three at all. I am. Yeah. But it was, Mm -hmm. it was three boys who I believe, it's been a while since I've, I've read about it, but three young boys who are all around eight years old, I think two were eight and one was seven or two were seven. One was eight, something like that. In West Memphis, Arkansas, they disappeared. They found them all naked and tied up in the woods. And the three people that they arrested for this were teenage boys because essentially they wore Metallica shirts and were kind of into the goth emo heavy metal scene. In the 90s. Mm-hmm. And in the 90s. They interrogated a boy named Jesse Miss Kelly for hours. Jesse has a significantly low um, IQ. I I mean, like severely mentally handicapped. And and if you watch the tape, they clearly led him because he'd be like, oh, yeah, uh, like it was right after school at like three. And they're like, oh, you mean like like dinner time, like like six. And he's like, "Uh, yeah, like six. And so they, like, led him, clearly. The one kid was 18. His name was um, Damian Eccles. And he was 18. So he ended up on death row. Like, his, like, he he was supposed to die, actually. 
And then all these celebs like Johnny Depp and all these people started like rallying behind these kids. Um, Eddie Vedder, like free the West Memphis three, free the West Memphis three, all these um, HBO started doing documentaries. And like you watch the first one, you're like, I don't know what just happened. You watch a second one and you're like, clearly the kids are innocent. It was this guy. And then you watch the third one and you're like, well, clearly the kids are innocent, but it was this other guy. And you still don't know. But there's been movies about it. There's been even more documentaries. But it's like this whole town attacked these three kids. One kid almost lost his life because of just like they wore Metallica shirts. And the rumor mill behind it, like... They were saying that one of the kids' testicles was found under Damien Eccles' bed in a jar. That never happened, but people were stating it like it was fact. And it never, like, they still have reputations in West Memphis. And so it really, like, those are the stories that I get behind because it's just like, what is happening here? And that that case is still, like, no one knows who did it. It They, um, the... The three teenage boys, um, they ended up doing what's called an Alford plea, which basically means there's enough stuff here to prove that, like, we did it, even though there wasn't. Um, So we're not admitting guilt, but we're admitting you guys could convict us. And so then they were free um, for time served. But it was, I mean, it's just a horrible case. And now they have these records as being murderers. And they didn't do it. It's it's unbelievable. But those are the cases that I get into because it's it's the sociology of it. It's the psychology of it. It's a horrible case. But, like, you see how far the victim tree goes out. Like, because the thing about true crime is in the crimes, the one victim is never the only victim. There's family members. There's friends. There's, you know, all these other things that factor into what really happened. So now one thing about true crime that just drives me insane is when you throw in that extra wrench of corrupt investigations and bad inve- and bad investigation work. That to me is just like, oh great, now we don't know what to now we don't know who to believe. Now uh, the police have ulterior motives. They just want to they don't want to have a cold case on their hands. They're just trying to arrest somebody or they used illegal techniques. Anytime I hear that, it's always like, oh, great. Okay, now I got it. Like, like that, that that makes me not even want to hear any more of the story because it just throws that wrench in where it's just like, oh, great. Now now we don't know the truth. See, and that's what interests me. Um, yeah. You, if you feel that way, should not listen to season two of the Knock Knock podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, though. I'm going to, though. Good. Um, because early on, you know, uh, spoiler alert, like you find out that there was a guy who helped find the body the night of the crime. Actually, real spoiler alert: we don't even know if it's a guy or a girl. They call him a postal worker. They don't say postman. They don't say female postal worker. There was a postal worker who helped find the body, and the cops never interviewed them. We don't even know that person's name. Like, That's not very helpful. <laughs> it's yeah. Not. See, that reminds me of Serial when they had, it was like a weird dude found the body. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's super weird. It's super weird. But like, and then you say, like, you always think to yourself, like, 
how could these police, how could these detectives be so stupid? But then you think to yourselves how incredibly hard that job must be. So there's two, I, I there's never do two sides to the coin. See, and I never go that way. I never, like, I'm not saying being a detective isn't difficult. And I, I definitely believe being a police officer is difficult work. But to me, how are you not going to interview someone who found the body? Yeah, like, yeah that, that's pretty basic, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like that's, you know, police officer 101 type of thing. I, I just, it blows my mind. And there's a lot of things like that in in this case of and and i mean like i said it's almost 40 years old so wow i want to i want to go back like way back into the conversation out of curiosity so like uh, my preferred method of like ingesting true crime is through podcasts i i much prefer I, i don't like to necessarily see a face or a I prefer the the voice and to kind of hear the story that way. It sounds like Mike's, like, you watch it, right? You watch true crime. You're not necessarily listening to it. Like, your, um, your means of ingestion. I've heard a couple of really good true crime podcasts. Obviously, Serial. I think there was one called In the Dark. Mm-hmm. I think that was a really good one. I think NPR is a couple of good ones. Um, yeah, so I've definitely listened. Podcasts are just great altogether. Like podcasts are great because it doesn't, doesn't matter what the topic is. It's just really cool. Uh, but you know, if I'm going to watch it on TV, it's probably going to be that, that someone's forcing me to do it. Okay. Cause like Dateline, they've, they've converted all of their episodes, their television episodes to podcasts. So I'll listen to Dateline if, so like my favorite go-to true crime podcast is Morbid. That's my favorite one. And when Morbid doesn't have a new episode out, I go to Dateline. But I agree. It's super cheesy, super scripted, highly produced and edited to the point where like you can guess what's going to happen. Whereas like I prefer a podcast that's a little, yeah, has a little more detail and, and, and makes me work a little more to think about what's going on well, and I in think, the story. So I, I also listen to the Dateline podcast. I don't mind watching Dateline. My problem with it is they're like, as you can see here, this is what the room looked like. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I can't see it. Like they don't edit any of that stuff Yeah, they don't out. edit any of it out. No. It's literally the show in audio form. And I'm like, well, I can't see that. Or there'll be like an audio clip. Like, you know, if you're watching Dateline, and they're interviewing someone and it's kind of distorted. They'll put the captions on the bottom so you can at least read it. And I'm like, I have no idea what this person is saying right now. I have no idea what just happened. Um, yeah. So I, I, I do listen to the Dateline one as well. And it it's similar to you. Like when none of my podcasts I'm listening to have a new episode, then I'll, I'll listen to some of those. I like it all. I like the documentaries. I like, you know, the TV shows. Um, You know, the Oxygen Network got it right because they used to be a woman's network, kind of like Spike TV was a men's network. Oxygen Mm -hmm. was the woman's network. And then they're like, wait a minute, all these women love true crime. And they became a true crime network. They Um, want to see, women want to see other people kill people. (laughs) Um. And so, like, for a long time, I had cable, 
just for oxygen because there was one show I was completely obsessed with. Um, was it Snapped? No. Because that's one of mine. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Mine is Cold Justice. Ooh. Um, so Cold Justice, it features a woman named Kelly Siegler, who's like the most winning producer in, or, I'm sorry, prosecutor in like the state of Texas. Um, but she and, well, the first couple seasons, it was her and a woman named Yolanda, who Yolanda is the character or is the person that one of the characters from CSI is based off of. She's like one of the most famous female forensic scientists in the world. So she and Kelly would go to these small towns that didn't have the resources or abilities to research these cold cases and they'd bring in their team and they'd, you know, tackle these cases. Now Yolanda's no longer on it, but Kelly Siegler still is. And I I just, I love that show. I could watch it all day because it's bringing fresh eyes to a cold case. It's seeing where they went wrong. You see them literally knocking on people's doors and asking questions. Sometimes you see them arrest somebody. Sometimes you see them going to the prosecutor and the prosecutor saying it's still not enough. It's it's Mm. just a fascinating case because you literally see all angles of the criminal justice system. And that's what I love about that show. But um, yeah, I'll watch it. I'll read it. I'll listen to it. I love all of it. And the more convoluted the story is, the more I love it. I don't mind the cheese factor. I just, I love it all. (laughs) But there is a cheese factor. But I will say our first season of Knock Knock, I was not a part of it at the time was actually featured in an episode of 48 Hours. So depending on how regularly you watch it, you may have seen us on there. Really? Well, congratulations. Wow. Oh, I have I had nothing to do with the show at the time, but I'm very proud to be a part of something that was on 48 Hours. So Right, it, right. That's really cool. Yeah, it was an entire episode. And at the time, the, the first season, Jason was pretty much doing it on his own. Like he had his family helping him and that was it. And then um, a company kind of came alongside and and said, hey, we want to help you do more with this. Let's make a season two. And and that was that. And then I slid into their DMs, much like you did, Jess. And I slid into their DMs and I was like, hey, um, I have this to offer. And now I do investigations and I produce and I interview people and I track people down and everything else. That's very cool. Okay, so I want to go back to the, um, uh, sorry, now we're all laughing because of our weird break. Um, I want to go back to, in your expert opinion, do you think I'm crazy? Do you think I'm going to murder someone? Is Mike my next victim? I think I'm more concerned about if you've already murdered someone or not. (laughs) Oh, wow. No. um, I wouldn't tell you if I had. (laughs) I feel like if I talked to you long enough, I'd be able to figure it out. Um, No, I mean, statistics show that, or not statistics, studies show it is actually very healthy to have um, some sort of interest in true crime it's like i said earlier you know almost everyone has had that thought of you know god i wish this person was dead and you know i mean everyone has kind of been at that point at some point in their life 
excuse me. Um, I think there's, there is a fascination of evil in general because it's not what we are or who we are. I think when people aren't interested in that, that's when you need to be concerned (laughs) because it's like, oh, so they already know, (laughs) you know, um, so the evil is within me. I think it's, um, you know, I haven't finished listening to your religion episode and I don't know if you get into it yet. Um, cause I literally have listened to maybe the first five minutes of it, but do you have a religious background? I mean, yes, but I don't currently like practice. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So like I kind of, you know, they call it the God complex of, you know, watching someone like having that power of either healing somebody or killing somebody. And it works both ways, you know? And I think everybody has had moments of their life where maybe they have felt um, either unheard or unacknowledged. And, you know, that's when those types of thoughts are most strong. Um, but I also think, you know, it is interesting. Like I literally just, um, not that long ago on June 18th. Oh God, now I'm going to cry. Um, I, I, my dog was almost 15 years old and I had to put her down. Um, And literally it was the most heartbreaking moment of my life, but I could, I knew by watching her face the moment she was gone and the vet had been there like holding her, uh, the stethoscope against her. And I knew the moment she was gone and I put my head down because I knew in that moment she was gone. And literally as I'm doing that, the vet put her hand on my arm and said, she's gone. And so there is that, that knowledge that happens. Like I clearly knew in that moment that, that it had happened, but I never want to feel that way again. Like I never want to see that again. Um, But I think, I think it's one of those things where people are just so fascinated by whether it's power or whether it's wanting to feel heard or acknowledged that I think that is why some people get into, you know, the bad aspects of true crime. But I think it's a very healthy, um, like if you read studies, psychologists say it's healthy to have an interest in true crime. Um, and, and they they even say it can help with depression and stuff like that because of the amount of adrenaline it can release. Now it's a temporary fix, but it can help with things like that. So, um, unfortunately I think that's why some people become frequent killers, um, why they become serial killers and everything else, because they get that adrenaline and then they get addicted to that. And then the only way they can get it is to keep killing. Um, so that's not healthy. So I really hope you have some outlets in your life to <laughs> keep. Yeah, it's listening from... to true crime. Okay, as long as you keep it to that, I think we're good. I might even meet you for uh, some champagne one day. Okay, okay. I have I have two things to add. I have two things to add. So the first is that I'm going to acknowledge here and now that I do have a very large ego, and it's something that I have to 
look at Mike, you're learning so much about me tonight. I learned so much about you in last episode. And hey, it's your birthday. Let's, uh, let's hey, let it right. out. Um, so yes, I do have an ego that I have to manage. Um, so there's like a part of me that when I went to college, I had no idea. I, mean, I feel like every, like every 18 year old, I had no idea what I wanted to major in. Ended up in international business was my major. And people were like, well, what do you want to do with that? I was like, well, make money working internationally. Duh. <laughs> that, said, that felt like real obvious. And then I realized right after college, I started a job in a social services agency because hashtag economy at the time. And I couldn't find a job anywhere else. No one told me I was meant to minor in something to make me marketable. But that's a whole other story. Um, so started working at a social services agency and was like, wow, I really like giving back. This is something I really enjoy. And then eventually went to get my master's in public health. Very, very much a service-oriented position. However, I have now taken that. And while I do work for a community health center, I am no longer patient-facing. And my only thought is greed, money, power. And I have to find a way to balance that with the fact that I'm at a nonprofit. I really do care about equitable healthcare. It is something I'm very passionate about, which is why I stay with the company because I believe in our mission. So that's the first thing. I have an ego I have to keep in check. So you are very much at risk for a God complex. Oh, oh, absolutely. No, this is something I've known since I was very young. Okay, so Mike, uh, be really it's just, careful. I, I, keep, I keep a lot of grounded people in my life because I'm aware of that. And I used to not have grounded people in my life, and I was a very different person. But now, like, all my friends, all the people I love have no egos whatsoever. And they kind of, like, let me, like rule my own circle at least that's what they make me to believe and i'm really happy within my circle i should clarify after i say that we're all going to be done with this conversation by the time i'm done my mom's going to listen to this and be like who did i raise my mother who's like the most like even killed person you'll ever meet in your life um i never said that i wanted to kill someone who made me angry I just said I wanted to kill somebody. I just, I just want to. Wow. Okay, but see, that's I just want to clarify that. <laughs> okay. There's no if logic I'm saying behind this, it. I, I'm saying this right now. If my boyfriend ends up dead, I didn't do it. I, I love him so much. It wasn't me. Because I'm telling you my mode of killing would be strangulation. And he's like twice my size, so it would never happen. Your mode but of I, killing is strangulation? <laughs> like you've already thought about that? I have thought about it. I have thought about it. Do you know how long I have it takes thought about to kill it. somebody by strangulation? Eight minutes, roughly. <laughs> seven, Like seven to nine minutes. <laughs> roughly. This podcast is going to be pushed into evidence someday. Yeah. <laughs> We're both just, gonna just have to because testify I'm... at a trial. Yeah, yeah, I'll be uh, there. So Mike is normally sleep deprived when we do these because he has an infant, and I the look in his face right now is I don't want to be here. <laughs> look at the baby. She yeah, she's oh, a little yeah. nugget. I don't want to sure kill is. her. 
No, no, she's 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 the best. <laughs> well, hey, I just, you know, like, if you do kill someone, okay. that gives knock knock a season three. So you know, go for it. There we go. <laughs> and it's not like that's a very like... easily solvable crime. Someone <laughs> dies of strangulation in Fairmount for no reason. <laughs> so here's I the thing: like, I wonder, not... wonder who did it. I'm not walking around thinking. Hold on, wait. That's that's a lie. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. So my boyfriend and I, we walk around, and you see the people, particularly women, but like men do it too, who are just either wandering on their phones aimlessly, or they're looking down. Or they're just clearly not paying attention. Oh, and you'd be like, it'd be so easy to take that person out right now. Yeah. 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 That's and normal. we'll say like. We'll walk around and be like, mm, easy target. Like, it's yeah. things because because we're so, like, we're so aware of our surroundings yeah. all the time well, because the, of true crime podcasts that... That is one of the things that psychologists say is actually beneficial to true crime is it does increase... So I have a friend. I love her to death. I won't name her, but if she listens to this, she will know I'm talking about her. She will not use online dating because she's like, I don't want to end up dead in a ditch. She won't Good. take an Uber because she doesn't want to end up dead in a ditch. She, you know, all these different things like that. So, like, if, she, if, if, big if, she sells something on Facebook Marketplace, there's more people in the house than just her when the person comes to get the item. And if she can, she does it not at her house. So, mm -hmm. I mean, these, it's, it's smart for us mm -hmm. to learn from other people's mistakes and to not fall victim to those things. And so I I totally agree. I, I'm the person, I go into a restaurant and, you know, if I had my way, I'd be in the corner, back against the wall, eyes on both entrances, etc. Um, I am hyper aware. It drives some of my friends crazy. I, I remember this one time I was out at this place, I think it's called Yogurt Mountain in Tennessee, and... I was at this spot and I was like, move over, move over. That guy just came in with a gun. Okay, it's Tennessee. Everyone has guns. But I was ready for the worst case scenario because this guy walked in with a gun. And she's like, who has a gun? And I'm like, that guy has a gun. And she was like, I don't see a gun. And then he turned and she's like, oh, he does have a gun. Um, and so it's just being hyper aware and learning from other people's mistakes. I mean, that's just evolutionary. That's just smart. I, I don't see any right. fault in that. Okay, so yeah, I don't... I'll walk around and see people. I'm not thinking to myself, I could kill that person. It's more of a... Yeah, it's a survival thing. Yes. Like, you right now, ma'am or sir, are not paying attention and could easily fall victim to a crime. Yes. Thousand percent. I do that all the time. Right. So I do walk around thinking that. I do not walk around thinking they'd be easy to strangle. Because I don't, like, my brain doesn't go that far. It's just, I understand how someone could get a rush from that act. Yeah. Oh, I... I understand that. Okay, so see, how you worded it there was a lot better than you said it in the beginning. Correct. <laughs> I might mean, I might mean both, depending on what I said in the <laughs> beginning. I, I can understand how I would enjoy that rush. Because there is an ego complex about power for me. And it's something I work through in therapy. <laughs> but like, 
So knowing you have an ego complex and everything else makes what you said at the beginning less terrifying. Uh, okay. I wish there was hey, a that's, way where that's we helpful. could edit it so that people heard that. Oh at no! First. No no no! Keep keep that in there. Um, but I I I so yes, absolutely. Everything you said makes so much more sense now. It is still interesting to me how you guys are role reversed. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely very interesting. It's just not you know. One thing I do find interesting now that I'm I, when I'm listening to you guys talking and I'm thinking more about this true crime stuff. One thing that I do find fascinating is what the hell do these people do after they commit the murder? Like, how are they not just so unbelievably anxious that they're gonna get caught, that they're gonna go to jail for the rest of their lives? How do they how do they even eat and sleep? and go about their lives after they just killed someone. So that that kind of fascinates me, is you kill someone, and then you hide it, and you go back to normal life. If that was me, I would be so freaked out. Like, I, what, would I, what would I do? Like, I, I, I think, You know what I mean? I think you channel it. So, like, let's go back to BTK. BTK. Well, that guy was a serial killer, so that was like. Well, he's still a killer, though, and, and he committed <laughs> yeah. a lot of kills. And so if we could learn from anyone, it'd be him because what he ended up doing, he had huge periods where he did not kill and where he didn't talk to communicate to, you know, the news or anything. But he became a I believe it was a compliance officer, which is not like a lot of power, but it is some power. And he kind of seemed to like channel some of his energy there. Like there are people who said he became like almost anal retentive about things and things that most people would get a warning from. He was, yeah, they said he was a great employee. Yeah, like he did his yeah. job really well. He seemed focused on that. But then when like, I want to say it was the 20th anniversary, but I could be wrong, um, of like his last murder came out and the newspaper, the Wichita yeah. Eagle or whoever yeah. it was, did an article on it. The well, then the floppy disk. Yeah, he yeah, couldn't yeah. he yeah. couldn't let it die and he started yeah. communicating again. So, you know, it's the ego is what did him in in that yeah. case, you know, yeah. but he spent many years to our knowledge, not killing people. And but he was like a hyper crazy, you know, focused on work you know, doing the compliance officer thing. And I think that's probably the norm. I mean, the, uh, okay, I was going to give another example, but I can't because it is pertaining to the podcast. So I don't want to give spoilers, but I mean, there, there, if you look at killers in general, there is a history of that or they're truck drivers who are driving all over the country and people don't even realize there's a connection because they just commit a murder in each state that they go to. Honestly, Mike, your question, not, it's one of the many reasons why I've never killed somebody because that guilt and that anxiety, it would, yeah, it would overpower me. Plus I'm terrified of prison. And actually one of my biggest like, you know, people play that, like, what's your greatest fear, blah, blah, blah. One of my greatest fears ever is being framed for a murder I did not commit or a crime I did not commit because I'm terrified of prison. So prison there we go. That'll, prison is scary. That, that'll keep my ego in check probably from 
hopefully for the rest of my life. See, and prison does not scare me at all. Like, that is, like, the least of my concerns. I'm like, oh, well, I would get three hats and a cot. The best cancer doctor in Kansas works at the El Dorado prison, which is actually where BTK is. So I'm like. He's still alive? BTK, yeah, he's at the El Dorado prison. Wow. Dennis Rader still still walks this earth. That's wild. So it's like, you know, best, best cancer doctor in the world is, well, in Kansas at least, is, you know, there. I mean, like, shoot, I wouldn't have to pay any bills. I mean, is prison all that bad? Now I realize it's Mike. I realize it's worse than I say, but I, it doesn't scare me as much as is there someone looking in my blinds over here right now that I don't know of. That scares me more than prison. That's fair. And Mike, you could never go to prison. No way. You're way too pretty. You are way too pretty. You are <laughs> would not way go too well pretty for you. Yeah. I've never been. I've never been told that before. So. Good to, oh, good to no. know. <laughs> you're, you're, yep. The, the prettiness would be a problem. Yeah. I never thought of. I never, I never thought of that. <laughs> you should keep keep your crimes away so you don't have something stuck in your butt in prison. On that <laughs> note, Jess, we are getting a warning from Google Meets that it is time to wrap up. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Thank um, you. I hope we haven't scared you. We would love to have you back someday. Um, you know. Again, feel free um, in the next couple minutes, please plug your podcast again. Yes. So it's the Knock Knock podcast. We just did, um, uh, we just launched season two. It's amazing. And there's a huge thing coming soon. Huge, huge, huge. There was groundbreaking news this week. So um, Mm. you definitely need to to tune in and listen. Um, I'm a small part of a huge, amazing team. And um, Jess, you can slide into my DMs anytime. There it is. Knock, knock, the unsolved murder of John Bellatieri, season two. It's amazing. Wow. And it's it's on all your platforms, Stitcher, Apple, all of them. What a fantastic stranger. What a fantastic guest. That was a A plus A plus show. I agree. All right, strangers, have a wonderful evening. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.